Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. What I want to do today is to talk to you about what are we supposed to do with suffering? Because this is a question that we cannot. We can't always answer the question, why is this happening? But we can answer the question, what am I going to do? Right? I'll say it again. We can't always answer the question, why is this happening? But we can answer the question, what am I going to do about it? And we've already made one or two uh, comments. We're going to continue to praise God. We're going to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. The Bible says in Philippians 4, don't be anxious about everything, but present things to God in prayer and with thanksgiving. So we know there are certain things that we can do. We also know that God does not give us problems that he feels we can't deal with. So there is a sense in which God is in absolute control because God has promised that he won't send you, he won't allow to come your way any problem that you cannot possibly cope with. I think we should take great encouragement from that. The Bible says no temptation has seized us except which is common for man and God is faithful and he'll make a way of escape. We know that there was, a, there was an occasion when Paul asked God to take away a problem that he had. This is in 2 Corinthians 12. And he, he says three times, he said, I asked the Lord to take it away. Three times. But the Lord eventually answered him and said, no, I'm not going to take the problem away. My grace is sufficient for you. And what we have to do as believers, we have to believe that that's true. We have to believe that that's true. That no matter who, what, what problem I have right now, that God's grace is sufficient for me. That, now, there are certain things I still have to do. I still have to rejoice in the Lord always. I still have to wake up in the morning and say, this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. There are things that I have to do. There are things that I have to think about. Philippians 4, whatsoever things are good and lovely and honorable, think on these things. So there are things that we can do. However, there's a very rich truth. And by the way, I don't know what, how I would feel if I asked God to do something and he said to me, no, I'm not going to do it, but you've got enough strength to cope. That's essentially what he's saying. And, and we have to choose to believe that. It will help you. It's true anyway, but it's all the better for you to choose to believe something that's true rather than choose to believe something that's not true. You can choose to believe, I'm not going to make it. Or you can choose to believe that his grace is sufficient. Which You can make up your mind what you choose to believe. The good news is that his grace is sufficient. That is the truth. That is the truth. So what should we do? What should we do when facing suffering? How should we deal with it in ourselves and also in others? The first thing we should do is we should seek to relieve it, alleviate it. Did you turn to Isaiah 58? Isaiah 58 and verse 6. 
And God is speaking to the people about their fasting. The fasting isn't so much the relevance here. He says, is this the kind, is, this, is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen, verse 6 of Isaiah 58, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Verse 7, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. All these people are suffering. Did you, did you, did you spot that? Those who are bound in chains of injustice, verse 6, are suffering. Those that are tied up in a yoke are suffering. The people in verse 7 are hungry. We, do, we don't mean, oh, I'm, I'm famished, I wouldn't mind a chocolate bar, that, you know, really hungry. Provide the poor wanderer with shelter. We are, as best as we can, to clothe the naked and to help the poor. We have a, a role in this world to help people. I believe it's quite commonly believed among the medical world the people who are depressed, one of the keys to helping them with their, with their mental health is that they help others. The Bible says, he who refreshes others shall himself be refreshed. So actually, one of the, one of the tasks when we think about suffering, rather than saying, why isn't God doing something? Sometimes the question is, why why aren't I doing something? What am I going to do? And there's a lovely verse, Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all because God was with him. I love that phrase. He went about doing good. He went about doing good. Here, here's a question. What good have you done this week? What, what good have you done? We're supposed to do, we're supposed to do good. I know when you look back and think, oh, I don't know. Have I done any good? I don't know. You know, but, but okay, here's a much better question. What good are you going to do this week? That's a much better question. We're supposed to do good. And part of that role of doing good is to help other people in their, in their um, challenges and in their, in their strifes. The need is not the call. You can't solve all the problems. You have to find, to a degree, you have to find what God is calling you to do. We, me, you, we're not responsible to alleviate every suffering soul in this city. Because we, because we can't. We can't. But there is a place where we can say, Lord, what, what, what should I do to alleviate? What can I do to help others who are suffering? And then also for ourselves. We should seek to uh, 
alleviate even our own sufferings if we can. If we can. It's no good sitting at home thinking, well, I believe God wants me to have this pain in my back. Well, uh, I don't know about that. I recommend paracetamol. If you are struggling, you go and alleviate your suffering, don't you? We're not, uh, even when we say God works within the realm of suffering, when Paul was suffering, he prayed that God would take it away. He didn't welcome it. He didn't say, oh, this will be good for my character. You know, more. Similarly, and and I don't mean this to be too light or flippant, but let's just get the perspective, right? When Jesus went about, he went into people's homes and lives and he took their problems away. He did not give people problems to show them God's love or make their character best. God did not give people problems in the, in the person of Jesus. He healed the sick. He didn't make people sick. And so we need to have that understanding in us. God took the problems away from the people. It wasn't the will of God for the people to suffer. Sometimes God works with the suffering But generally speaking, we should seek to alleviate ourselves and others from problems that we have, if we can, and if we can do it in a godly way. You may not like the lady you work with, but God's not telling you to murder her. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, I think I should alleviate this problem. (laughs) How did you do that? Oh, I buried her in the garden. Did you kill her? No, no, I buried her alive. So we should try to alleviate where possible. Number two, we need to check ourselves that we're not the cause of our problem. We won't look at these verses, but 1 Corinthians 11, 28, 32, Paul talking about the the breaking of bread, actually, uh, refers to the fact that the people were were ill because they were out of God's uh, will or they weren't, weren't showing due respect to God. It's a fascinating little bit of piece of the Bible. Sometimes the reason I'm suffering is because of me. Sometimes the reason why I don't enjoy my work is because the real person who's a nightmare at work is actually me, not the other people. <laughs> Right? And sometimes I think we need to be aware of that. If we're struggling terribly, sometimes we have to ask the question, am I the cause of this problem? Is it me? Now, I know some people have very sensitive natures, and they think everything is them. Other people have very hardened natures, and they think, there's no problem I've caused, you know. It's all about having the balance between the two. So if you're the sort of person who thinks that you, you the, everything's your fault, I'm not preaching to you at the moment. But some people, they are the cause of their problem. They, they, they are their own cause. So you just want to, it, it won't be true many times, but just ask yourself the problem. Ask yourself the question. If I'm having a, bad time in my marriage. Am I, is it actually me? Am I the problem here? If I'm not getting on with my son, 
Is it because, is it, is it, is it because of me? I, I, you know, do I need to change? God, will you please show me? And finally, finally, we should seek to be a source of comfort. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We should seek to alleviate it. We should check that we're not the source. And number three, we should seek to comfort people. I want to talk to you for five more minutes about the power of comfort. The power of comfort. I think one of the most undervalued uh, virtues that we have, listen to this, is, is the power to comfort people. Sometimes, listen, you can't do anything. You can't do anything for people. If you could cure them, you would cure them, but you can't. If you had half a million pounds, you'd buy them a new place. You'd get them out of the problem, you know. If you could do it, you would. But sometimes you can't do anything. Sometimes you'll sit with someone and they'll say, my husband's just been killed in a car accident or something. A friend of mine just um, commemorated, I think it was yesterday, the death of his mum. Killed, you know, 20 years ago or something, 10 years ago, I can't remember, but killed during a car crash. What can I say to him? And I'll tell you what, I can't say anything to him. There's nothing I can do to bring his mum back. There's nothing I can do to take away his pain. But there is incredible power in comforting people. And one of the great secrets of comforting people is to be careful what you say. A friend of mine, many years ago, he lost his mum. I think he was about 18, 19, I was about 21, and he lost his mum. And I didn't know what to say to him about that. Listen, listen, listen. I didn't know what to say to him about it, so I didn't say anything to him about it. I didn't go near him. I didn't ring him. We didn't have, you know, electronic uh, communication then. I didn't go near him. I didn't ring him. I didn't see him. I kept away from him because I didn't know what to say to him. Anyone else had that experience? And the most terrible thing is that that wasn't just me that did that. Everyone did that. So he went through a period. He's just lost his mum and no one's talking to him about it. No one, because no one knows what to say. And so everyone thinks the best thing is not to say anything at all. We'll leave him with the Lord. Well, the Lord doesn't want him left with the Lord. The Lord had given him to us. Right? How many know what I'm saying? And I want to encourage you today in the power of comfort. 
God says this, 2 Corinthians 1, praise be, verse 3, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. Sometimes, am I telling the truth? You just don't know what to say. What am I supposed to say? And by the way, remember, I'm a minister, so I'm supposed to have some, some answers. I ain't got any more answers. In fact, my only bit of pride is I'm proud enough to know that I haven't got the answers. But I want to encourage you, when things, when things go wrong for someone close to you, there's incredible power in sending them a card. There's incredible power in calling them up. You know what? They might not want to take your call, right? But we mustn't leave people with the Lord. I'm just, I'm just going to pray for them. Yeah, of course you should pray for them. But the Word of God says that where possible, we should comfort people. Encourage them. We may not be able to do anything. But we want to encourage them. I've got a friend at the moment, a very dear friend of mine, very dear, going through the worst period of his life. And I call him up every now and then. And Jane knows this. Every time I call him, I'm nervous. I'm a bit shaky. I've got a glass of water because I don't know what to say to him. But one thing I know, I'm going to call him. And he's going to know that he's not on his own. Can you say amen? So when it comes to comfort, you might not feel particularly equipped. You might not feel like you've got anything. But leaving people alone is actually one of the worst things we can do. Some people want to be left alone. When my mum passed away early part of this year, I didn't want to take calls. But I loved all the cards. You know, There are ways to touch people's lives without showing up in their home or without having an intrusion on them because they may not be able to cope with it. Maybe that's what they do want. But there's great power in comfort. The Bible says this, we should weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice, but cry with those who cry. And thus we fulfill the law of Christ. Three very simple things we can do. These are not unknowns. These are not intangible things. These are not mysterious. We can do all these things. Finally, in thinking about suffering, we must not forget that we serve a God who has suffered as well. Do you ever have a problem and you sit down with someone and they know what you're going through because they've gone through it? 
Isn't that that's an amazing uh, feeling? How many of you know if, a, if, if an Olympian came in here today, sat down on the front row and said, I only got a silver. I wouldn't, wouldn't be able to sit down and say, yeah, I, I know how you feel. I couldn't sit down with a, a mum who had miscarriage. I, I couldn't, and have that have that connection. I've not been there, not done that. I've not had that pain. But you know, when you sit down with someone and they've been through what you've been through a bit, and you have that sense of affinity, this person really does understand me. God in Christ is like that. There are many so-called gods in this world. Only the Christian God has scars. All the other gods are gold and silver and ornamented. But the Christian God is wounded and beaten and scarred. It's extraordinary. The God who suffers, the cross of Christ reflects everything that we have discussed about suffering these last few weeks. I'll bring them up quickly as we finish. Number one, Jesus died because of human free will. Because people are free to be good or bad, Jesus died. When they came to crucify him, of course he had the power to blow them all away. But he submitted himself to human free will just like we do. Number two, it was an act of unjust suffering. Both Herod and Pilate said, this man has done no wrong. Even the man on the cross next to Jesus said, leave this man alone. We deserve to die, but he's done nothing wrong. The Bible says that Jesus, who had done no sin, became sin for us. Number three, he died because the world is broken. He came to mend it. Not with a prayer, not with a powerful word, but with his own blood. God used his suffering for good. It wasn't God's will from the beginning for Jesus to die, but he used it for good. Christ is compensated for his gain, for his, for his pain rather. He's compensated for his pain. The Bible says in Hebrews, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What is the compensation of Jesus? I tell you, it's you and me knowing him. You ever heard the phrase, I'm dying to know you? Well, he was dying to know you and his death brings people close to God praise God thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today for further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings go to www.kingscambridge.org 
If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.